hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us, who has given, who was given, I'm sorry, who was given to us. And we're going to end there. Um, that's the end of our passage. Let's, let's go ahead and, and pray. Lord, what a blessing we have um, uh, just to have the opportunity to open your word and know that you, um, you, you speak to us through, you, through the scriptures. The, the you use your word for our edification. All scripture has been inspired um, by God and has the intention to edify us and comfort us um, in various areas of our lives. In this case, as we are thinking, Lord, of suffering, on the subject of suffering, I, I ask that you would help us to understand um, this passage of Scripture, that you would illuminate our minds um, so that we would understand we'd be comforted in what we find in the study of this passage of Scripture. Um, please, Lord, bless the uh, church, the congregation who's, who's present here tonight, um, and that by the end of the next 40 minutes or so, that we would uh, go back home and, and be encouraged to the teaching of your word in this passage in the book of Romans. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And just by way of introduction, if we, if we were to encourage another fellow believer um, who might be going through sufferings and tribulations and trials in his or her life, that are not the result of sin. So I make an emphasis on that. If they're going through trials, suffering that are not, that is something that is not the consequences of sinful actions or sinful uh, patterns of li- in their lives, the question is, how would you encourage them? These are, imagine a, a, a fellow believer who is just trying to be faithful to the Lord um, and he's suffering and, and he's going through trials and tribulations in life um, because we live in a fallen world like Genesis 3. So how would you encourage a believer who is just going through trials? Um, what are some of the things that you would want to share with them as they share with you their, you know, their, the things that are, everything that's going on in their lives? What are some of the perhaps passages of the scripture that you would that would come to your mind and that you would immediately almost immediately would want to share with them. Um, well I I um I asked that question because I've been in situations where uh genuine believers, you know, have approached me, people that are going through trials and tribulations and afflictions, and they they've asked, you know, the question to me Brother, why is this happening to me? Why, what is the Lord doing in my life during this trial? How, how should I view you know, what I'm going through in light of who God is? What is the Lord doing in my life during this trial? And they might perhaps by, say to you, I'm just trying to be a faithful servant to, to our Lord. And you know, most of the time, when I've heard questions that are along the lines of that question that I just shared with you, most of the time I just simply answered by saying, I don't know. I don't know. And you might say, well, those are not really good news. These are, I mean, these are not, that's a, probably not a very good answer that you would have. You know, that's probably not very encouraging. 
Um, but the good news is that I don't have to know exactly all the details. I don't have to know exactly what God is doing in their lives. I don't know. I don't have to know what's in the mind of heart of God in terms of how he's using a trial and suffering in the life of a believer. But we, we, what I do know is what we read on scriptures. What we do read on scripture is that even though we might not know all the details of our afflictions, that we don't know what the, but we do know that the Lord cares for us. And that his purposes in our trials, he has purposes and intentions in our, tri- in our trials. And we can know that. We do also know that scripture tells us how we are to respond to trials and tribulations. So even though we don't know all what's in the mind of God, and all, I, I, don't, I won't know all the details of your suffering and your trials, I do know that they will, all the trials will have an intention and purpose in your life. And that should be very encouraging to hear. We don't know what the Lord might be doing. What, everything that the Lord might be accomplishing in, in, a, in a trial in your life. However, we know what he will be producing in you and in us through various trials. And so here a passage in Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Paul is dealing with this issue, I think, as well. And he would talk about this, the reality that if you are in Christ, that if you, are, you and I are in Christ, and if you have been forgiven, justified of your sins, then you are no longer an enemy of God, but have peace with God. And because of this, our salvation is secure. And then Paul reminds, that, reminds us of the security of our salvation and how this should bring comfort into our lives when we face tribulations and afflictions. And so in our text, um, this evening, Paul gives us three truths related to the security of our salvation that should bring comfort to us when we're facing afflictions and trials. Three truths related to the security of our salvation that should comfort us when we're facing trials in our lives. Number one, the believer's favored status before God. We'll see that in verse one. The believer's favored status before God in verse one. Number two, the believer's hope in God's glory. And we're going to see that in verse two. And number three, the believer's exaltation in tribulation. We're going to see that in verses 3 to 5. But before we go to our first point this evening, let's look at the context of, of our passage and so, so that we know what Paul is doing in verses 1 through 5 right here in the book of, of Romans. Paul has written, had written this, this letter uh, to believers in Rome because he hadn't seen them before. He didn't know much about their spiritual state. And, and this caused the apostle... To, to want to instruct them in the knowledge of the gospel. So in this letter, uh, he instruct them, instructs them in, in various foundational truths about the gospel. Why? Because he wants to ground them on scripture. And so from chapters 1 uh, through the first half of chapter 3, he teaches them about the unrighteousness of men, about the wrath of God against sinf- sinful humankind. And that's a consequence of, of, of sin. And then from the second half of chapter 3 through chapter 4, he teaches them about how by faith one is justified before God. 
But then right after that, he also wants them, he wants to tell them about the blessings that come to those who are justified in, in Christ. And here's where our passage comes in. And in this section, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, Paul tells them that we are no longer enemies of God, but that we have obtained peace with God. And we have obtained peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is going to be very important for the believers in Rome to know. Because when they consider their position in Christ, they, they need to be reminded precisely of that, their position in Christ when they're facing suffering and trials in their lives. And Paul tells them that suffering is an inerrant aspect. Suffering will be an inerrant aspect in, a, in their lives, but it also will be an inerrant aspect in our lives, in our Christian lives. But the good news is that for believers... Suffering, trials, they won't be void or uh, devoid of any meaning. They will always have a, a purpose and an intention. This changes everything. Because it, by saying that, it's, 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 it, should, it already comes with hope. It's not, our trials are not devoid of meaning. They're not meaningless. They have a purpose. They're not just without a purpose. And brothers and sisters, when we, we also need to be instructed and reminded of these truths. If by faith you have been saved and you have been justified, you have been declared righteous in the sight of God, and you have been justified, you have been blessed with the hope of glory of the gospel. And this should be bring again, much hope in times of trials and suffering because God will care for us. And He always has a purpose in everything that happens in our lives. And so, here's where we are going to... This brings us to our first point of our message this, this evening. I was going to say morning. Uh, we're so used to that. But point one, he, what... what Here's where we're going to look at the believer's favorite status before God in verse 1. And we read, let's read, let's read verse 1 again. And it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here with that first ver verse, it is as if Paul were to be contrasting the believer's relationship with, with God before and after he was saved. Before he was saved, before being saved, we were found guilty of sin and unrighteousness. And this caused us to be enemies of God. Our relationship to, to, to him was one of enmity. One, one, one was one, one of enmity with God and, and, and he was not, we, we didn't have peace with God. But we were justified, we were reconciled with him. And so through through his death, Christ paid the penalty for our sins. And with that, he satisfied the wrath of God. What was causing the enmity with God, Christ took the punishment for the sins of his people. And with that, he, he was accomplishing reconciliation at the cross. And verse 10 says that, 
For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. This is the reason Paul says here in verse 1 that we have peace with God. And this is the reality that we find throughout this, in other passages of Scripture. Now, this is significant to consider, to keep in mind, as, we're, as we talk about suffering and trials in our lives. You might say, why? Well, because trials are not going to be the result of the judgment of God in our lives. Why? Because, again, we have peace with God. God is not angry towards us as He is with the wicked, as He is with unbelievers. God will treat the forgiving sinner differently now. The reality that the sinner is in good standing with God now. And this means that He has a favored status with Him. He is the recipient of God's favor God is for him. God is not against him. He is for him. And because this is true, he has, again, massive implications in our lives, in your life and mine, and in the lives of all believers. But why, you might say? Because in everything that happens in the life of a believer, God will take special interest in everything that occurs in his life. Again, why? Because God is for him and not against him. Believers not only have God's protection, but they God have himself on their side, so to speak. The believer is able to enjoy God's favor even though he doesn't deserve it. This is what we call grace, right? We're, we get to enjoy God's love, God's mercy. We, we are in a relationship of that we're, there's harmony between God and us and ourselves. God will treat us differently now. And that should also be, begin to, that should be the view that we should have in the midst of trials and suffering. Because as we think about how is God loving me in this, as we're going to see in a few moments, we need to think God is, God is not treating, God is not punished. If, if he ordains that I go through a trial, how is God loving me in that trial? You ever thought about that? God is always sovereign. He's always good. He's always perfect. He never changes. He always cares for me. But have you ever stopped to consider that when you're suffering, when affliction is in your life... Do you, do you, is the love of God in your mind? Do you really think, are you thinking God is really loving me right now? Do you feel loved by God? Most of the time, we don't even think about, we don't make the connections. But the reality is that even though we might not even think about what God might be doing in our lives, God, our trials, they're not taking them by surprise. He knows exactly what he's doing in our lives. He knows exactly why we need that and how he, and even through that, he's loving us. But in, in, in light of, a, of our context here, a passage, it is interesting that Paul says we have peace with God. We have peace with God. God is treating us differently 
to illustrate this idea that Paul is thinking about here in terms of the peace of God and how that should also be comforting in, in the way that God, when we think about trials and, and how God would treat us, I want you to take, I want to provide an example. Perhaps this might be an analogy or illustration. It's like when a criminal, right? We used to be, um, we're sinners. We, were, we used to be in enmity with God. But then, through Christ, we have peace. Our relationship with Him changes. And this is like a criminal who receives protection from the government or some type of federal protection. A criminal who was in enmity with the authorities, with government. But then, he gets, he works with the government, he makes peace with them, and he gets federal protection. He gets the protection from the government. He has the protection of the government and nothing will happen to him in a time of war because he's under the protection of such a government. Nothing will occur to him unless it is allowed by those who are protecting him. You might ask, but what does that have to do with suffering and trials? A lot. In the case of God and believers, the same is with you and I. In times of trials and suffering, everything that occurs in our lives, in the life of a believer, God first have had to allow it. We were, we're no longer enemies of God, so if He ordains again for us to pass through various trials, we know that God has determined that they are for our good. For our good. Tribulations, afflictions, trials... Are not, are, going to be, are, not, are not going to be the result of God, of God's wrath or anger towards us. Why? Because we have peace with Him. To the contrary, we have God's favor in our lives. And so, brothers and sisters, this is the way that we should view also our trials, our sufferings, and tribulations in our lives. We might not all know all the details, all the reasons, everything that is in the, in the, in the mind of God. And, and why am, am, I, am I going through this specific trial? But we do know that God, that the Lord cares for us. Why? Because salvation is, has been already been secured with them. And here's where the security of our salvation should bring comfort, should comfort us during times of suffering and trials. Now in the next verse, Paul talks about God's favor in our lives and how we ought to respond. And this brings us to the second point in our outline or our sermon this, this evening. And here's where we find a second truth related to the security of, the, of our salvation that should bring comfort to us when we're facing afflictions, and that is the believer's hope in God's glory. The believer's hope in God's glory. And we see that in, in verse 2. And then Paul says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we boast in hope of the glory of God. So in verse 2, Paul makes this, uh, talks about this favor 
the favor of, of God in the life of a believer, and he makes it clear when he says that we have our introduction. And by introduction, he's, he's saying we have access. We have access to this grace. We, remember, we have the peace of God. We are reconciled, have been reconciled with God. This is the grace of God in our lives. We have, been, we have received in, introduction, the access to, to, to God himself. And how do we do that? We do that by faith. We did nothing to accomplish the favor of God, favored with God, nothing to be justified from our sins. It was all the work of Christ. It was all accomplished through the death of Christ. And by faith in Christ, we have been reconciled with God. The fact that you are you and I have been reconciled with God, that is even the grace of God. And what do we enjoy as a result of, of that? We have access. What do we enjoy as a result of Christ's work at the cross? And Christ's work reconciling us with the Father? We have access to this intimate relationship with the Father. And Paul alludes this to, to this truth in Ephesians 3.10, where he says that this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. And it is by this same faith in Christ that we can stand in favorable condition before God. This is the reason also Paul says that we boast in hope of the glory of God. And boasting carries this, this idea of taking pride on something or bragging about something. Paul says, I rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And he even uses that, that expression of boasting three different times, verse 2, 3, and 11, to make reference to the grace of God that he has received by faith in Christ. And again, I think when he's saying the fact that he's, he's mentioning that, using that form of expression that he's boasting in, in, in the hope of the glory of God, I think he's highlighting the importance of the actions with regards to the grace of God, but also how we, we should respond to his grace. We should be imitating the Apostle Paul in the way that he responding to the grace of God as he realizes he has peace with God and I can rejoice in that. In Philippians 3.5, we read how Paul, he did not take confidence in the flesh. He didn't take confidence in his good works and his accomplishments. However, he freely says that he takes confidence in Christ. He glories in the hope of the glories of, of God. A hope that is founded on the certainty of the promises of God and the character of God. His hope has certainty. And we too can rejoice. We too can boast. 
in the glory of God. We're not encouraged to take confidence in our flesh, in our accomplishments, and and in our uh, possessions, and how in our skills, in our in, in our whatever it might be. But we are encouraged. We are instructed that we can take confidence in the grace of God in our lives. We can glory. In other words, this is something that you can boast about. And again, not because of your own merits. Not because you have done something to receive or to deserve of this relationship and and, and access to, to, to God. But because of the grace of God through Christ. And this should comfort us when we're facing afflictions because our hope is not going to be on the present circumstances but on the grace of God in our lives, on the promises of God towards us. And this leads us to the third truth related to the security of our salvation that should comfort us or should be a comfort to us when we're facing affliction. And that is the believer's exaltation, exaltation in tribulations. And we're going to see that in verses 3 to 5. But let's read verses 3 to 5. And it says, And not only this, but we also boast in our afflictions, knowing that affliction brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not put to shame, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We started this sermon, or, yeah, sermon, starting by by saying that even though we don't know exactly why the Lord ordains for us that, that we go through trials and suffering at specific times in our lives, periods of our lives, and that we don't know how He's dealing exactly in us in those moments of afflictions, however, we do know what He is doing. As a matter of fact, what God is producing in us through various trials. And Paul gives us the answer to that in verses 3 to 5. In verse 3, Paul talks about how we as believers can rejoice, how we can glory, how we can boast in the tribulations and trials of our lives. And and just to be clear here, tribulations are the type of distress that are brought about by outward circumstances. These are afflictions, troubles, that inflict distress in our lives, including oppression, both for the cost of the gospel and for living in according to God's word. And so Paul says that we can rejoice over these distresses, knowing that tribulations will produce something in our lives. And again, what this is saying is that tribulation in the lives of believers are purposeful. They're not meaningless. They're not something that they simply occurred by chance in our lives. Rather, they have been allowed by God in our lives with a purpose. And so if they occur, if this occurs, if suffering takes place, if, if, if we are surprised by suffering... In our lives, we know that God, God's purposes in our lives through them are not going to be for our destruction. 
And we are certain about this because we have peace with God. And so as we enjoy the peace of God, we recognize that He takes a special interest in our lives. And this inevitably leads us to conclude that if God is allowing tribulation in our lives, that He intends to produce something for our benefit. And indeed, Paul tells us that tribulation brings about what? Perseverance. But listen, the same is true in your life and mine. As children of God, God allows trials, afflictions, tribulations in our lives because they will produce perseverance. And we know that this is going to be for our benefit. This is why James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Back to our text here. Paul understood his suffering in this way. He was a man who understood this. He understood his sufferings to be in this way. In 2 Corinthians 4.17, and speaking of his afflictions for the gospel, he says, For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. So we know then that if God sends trials our way, we know that ultimately it will be for our benefit. And you can see the love of God there in suffering. How is God loving me there? The same way He was loving Job. How is God loving me there? He ultimately... He's looking at it in the grand scheme of things in eternity. But then, you might ask, well, brother, what, what, if, what if affliction is a result of my sin? What do we do then? Well, here's where trials, I think, becomes, or suffering, I should say, become the result of our sins. And we know that the Lord has promised us that He will discipline us for our good, for our sanctification, to conform us to the image of His Son. And obviously, discipline will not feel very good. But discipline always has this intention in mind, our sanctification, even though it can be very painful. And this is the point of that the author of Hebrews makes in Hebrews twelve ten to 11, where we read, Furthermore, we had early fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of Spirit and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But He, that is God, disciplines us for our good, so that we may share His holiness. All discipline for a moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. 
Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so, that is with regards to trials as a result of sin. However, when distress and affliction are not the result of sin, we then have even a greater reason to rejoice in them. And so again, Paul was was saying there in verse 3 that that they would produce several things in us. And at the end of verse 3, he says that tribulations bring bring about perseverance. And perseverance literally means having the capacity to hold out or to bear up in the face of difficulty. And this is the quality of enduring toil and suffering. Um, Some translations use the word patience uh, or steadfastness instead of perseverance. But the idea is the same. And so Paul says when tribulation come our way, God will use them to produce perseverance in us. But it doesn't stop there. Perseverance will result in proven character. And proven character in hope. So that it all goes back again to the Christian expectation, the the hope that they have in the glory of God. In verse 4, we see that the result of perseverance, which which is proven character, again, again, proven character will bring about hope. But then he says, he finishes verse 5 by saying that hope does not put to shame because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So yes, we don't know exactly why and how the Lord ordains, why the Lord ordains that we go through trials, sufferings at specific periods of our life, specific periods in our lives in our Christian lives, and that we don't know how He's exactly all the details and how He's dealing in our lives in those moments of affliction. But we do know that He's producing something good in us. Perseverance, proven character, hope, our sanctification, even bringing us into conformity to the image of His Son. And we know that this is true because we have peace with God we are the children of God the love of God has been poured out in our lives we know that God loves us and if we know that God loves us all trials and suffering in our lives they will be for our benefit even though we might not understand why and how so let us join with the Apostle Paul by saying This momentary light affliction is producing in us eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. I don't know about you, but this is... It brings in a lot of hope. Because when I think about pain, suffering, my life, most of the time I don't know why. But many years ago, I stopped saying, asking the question, why? By just simply saying, I trust you, Lord. You're always good. You care for me. If you have given your son to me for my salvation, how much more will you not give me all things? And so, thank you for tribulations and trials in my life. 
I know you will send them for my own good, even though I, un- I don't understand why and how. Even to the point of death. Even the, the worst thing that we can think of that we could go through, right? In our human experience, death. But in Paul's mind, when he was considering death, what did he say? To leave, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Why? Because absent from the body, I will be present with the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, these things are sometimes hard to comprehend. Trials, tribulations in our lives. Um, We don't know all the details. And we don't have to know. But we thank you that you are a sovereign God. You are in control of our lives. You always do. You always are acting. Looking out for our good. Caring for us. This gives us confidence, Lord. To trust you. To trust you, Lord. When we are in trials and suffering and tribulations, not because of our sin, but because you simply ordain us to go through them, they all have a purpose. So thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for this time that you allowed us to meditate on these truths. And, and please, I, I, I pray that you would make clear in, in our minds the things that I was I wasn't able to say and share with my brothers and sisters tonight, but they would clarify everything that um, in this short time we wouldn't, we wouldn't have an opportunity to talk about. And I know you do. You always do, Lord, because you bring to mind it is a work of the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts, our minds, through your word, so that we may redirect our eyes to trust you, in this case, in the moments of suffering. Thank you, Lord, for again for tonight, my brothers and sisters, and I pray that you allow us to meditate on these things in the days and weeks to come. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.